Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs and I got Terry Kemper with me today. And just a reminder, the text lines are down for a while. The team on the back end of the text groove are working on that, trying to get it all figured out. Um, but we do have uh, the phone lines are open, 403 974 8255. And uh, I think I, I hear Terry in the background. Good morning, Terry. Hey, good morning, Merle. How are you? I'm doing good. So uh, our texts are, are down for a bit. So the, the team on the back end is um, trying to get that up and going. But we have a, we have a couple of guests today. Yeah, we do. Yeah, a couple of horticulturists even. <laughs> um, um, we have Conrad um, Thibault. I <laughs> He's been with me like three years. I hope that's his last name. <laughs> I never call him by his last name. But no. Thibault. Just Conrad. Yeah, hey, Conrad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's our landscape designer. He's a graduate of Guelph University in the horticultural landscape design. So he's uh, he's a guru on that end of it. Um, total plant geek, loves loves what he does, and he, he creates some beautiful spaces um, for yeah, a lot of sure our does. clients he in, sure does. in Calgary. Yeah. And uh, we have this great 3D program that he'll do your your designs in and things like that. So it's it makes it nice because a lot of people can't visualize. You get a 3D drawing, and I think a lot of customers disagree. They say, "Oh yeah, no, that looks great," but they really don't get it because you you don't want to <laughs> you, you're embarrassed to say or whatever, right? Like I, oh yeah, I can read the plans. I got it. And, and most time, if you don't, probably it's hard sometimes reading one dimensional drawings unless you're very for sure it is. It's, that's definitely a skill to be able to take a, uh, a a drawing on paper and visualize it, you know, 3D in your yard. So Yeah, so not, not, uh, not Conrad takes that. that. Yeah, I know. So Conrad takes that, uh, that uh, stumbling block away, and he can pop it up into 3D. He can even fly you through it. Um, he can put lights in it so you can see what it looks like at night. He can see what it will look like in four or five years as the plants grow. So... We have a pretty cool little uh, design program that uh, we use on our Spruce It Up Landscape Division. And so Conrad's going to, we're going to chat uh, about some landscaping stuff. So if you have any questions or whatever, you can call in and uh, we can chat with Conrad about that. He's call calling in just after the first break. And then we got um, tantalized, I would say, by our caller Stan he's called in a couple times over the last couple of years and uh and uh, so Terry had the pleasure of calling Stan we're going to call him Stan the weed man for right now <laughs> and got him a t-shirt made and a hat so we'll, we'll get <laughs> so not the weed man like the weed man but the the weed man <laughs> the wild Stan the wild edibles man there you go. There yeah. you go. That's a little long for my hat that I got. So I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll get that fixed up. Uh, can't get the permanent marker out. Redo the hat. Just, we might just have to yeah. get you a bigger hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So um, so you, you, you'd you called Stan and we chatted and you guys chatted. I mean, yeah. and uh, so he's going he, to great call. chat this week. And, uh, yeah went into a uh, little more detail uh, on um, what he, he called in um, kind of late in the show last week. So we didn't get a chance to go into too much on, on what we were talking about there. 
uh, with his uh, wild edibles he's harvesting from his garden. But he uh, he's going to enlighten us a little bit more today and go a little bit more in depth. So it should be a good 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 chat. Absolutely, and uh, he's calling from Lethbridge. So Stan's going to call in just around ten o'clock, so right after the right after the news on the ten o'clock hour. We're going to have Stan. We're going to chat a bit about that kind of fun stuff. That's it. It is interesting, right? Like, uh, in and that's how um, a lot of the everything was made, like from peyote bud. Like you think back then when people wanted to relax or whatever, they would have either the mushrooms or peyote. You see that on some of the old Western movies. Yeah, they, absolutely. They, they and different things and. If you find old medicine bottles, you'll see where marijuana was used way back when, more medicinal. So there was there was lots of different things, and then a lot of the animals will also like they'll they'll scrape their horns and and different things up against the willow tree because willow has a pain reliever in the bark. So um, so that's why a lot of times deer and that when they're rutting, they'll they'll go up against willows and things like that. It helps relieve the pain. So, um, so that's uh, yeah. So there's all kinds of different things that Mother Nature and uh, is uh, on. And we do have a caller on the line. What's the name there, Renee? All right, let's go to Cora. Good morning, Cora. Hi. Good morning. How are you? We're doing great. How can we help you? Well, I live out in this area, and my daughter-in-law wants to plant a sour cherry tree or bush. Yep. So just wondering if you could recommend which would be the best one. Well, we do have the romance series. One of the biggest things I would worry about, though, is making sure you are prepared before you bring that uh, tree home, is ensuring that you have a good deer barrier. Like I would uh, put a some sort of fence around it or... Um, oh, yeah, some- yeah. They love fruit trees, so... Yeah, they do, yeah. yeah so gotta- you put that... Yeah, you put that out there with all the native aspen and everything else. They're just saying, like, look at that thing, though. I'm gonna, I'm going after that. So, <laughs> so just be prepared. So okay. So which one do you, and do you recommend a bush or a tree? Um, Terry, like we have quite a we we have quite a variety, and that we like I said, we do have the romance series. They're all pretty hardy for the most part. But Terry, yeah. out there, what what would you what would you recommend to Cora? We we carry both both the, the shrub form or and also the tree form in the romance series. Yeah. So actually, you know what? Any of them are fantastic. Uh, okay. There's about uh, six or seven, and uh, I've tasted them all. Um, some of them, they're all in that sour cherry family. Yeah. Uh, I've tasted them. They have a slightly different uh, flavor, and uh, some are a little darker, some are a little brighter red. But honestly, I I can't promote one over the other because I think they're all great. And they'll do so, fine out in my area. Yeah, the one that's a little bit Absolutely. darker. What is the one that's a little bit darker, Terry? Um, uh, is that Romeo? Yeah. Yeah. And if you go, darker. if you go in the morning, and if it's been on, like if it, it's been able to vine ripen, and if you go out early in the morning and and harvest it when it's a little bit cooler, I find they're actually almost sweet. Like. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So. All right. Great, so a lot you. of that comes is when you harvest, but hopefully you get to that. But just be prepared, um, Bob X or or some good game fence, and and maybe yeah. have a little area built there. Okay, this is where our edible garden is behind that fence, and maybe have a few things behind it. 
So exactly. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You uh, have a good day. All right. You okay. too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Cora. That is the only issue. Like when you get out there, like it, it is, it's something different. And, uh, it's sort of like putting that, uh, box of donuts out in the middle of the of the <laughs> staff room table <laughs> everyone has their good... lunch but then everyone can all of a sudden has room to fit that donut in there yeah that's <laughs> a good way of putting it that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm stuffed oh yeah. okay one one oh one donuts? yeah <laughs> yeah we had that on valentine's day we had uh uh somebody brought in a box and i brought in a couple boxes of donuts we had like 36 donuts on the table <laughs> It's just like happy Valentine's Day, so it was good at Spruce. So everybody had a couple of the of the good old donuts, as we all love in Canada. But uh, and again, text lines are still down. So if you'd like to join us, phone lines are open four zero three nine seven four eight two five five, and we're going to be chatting landscape design and uh, the trends and different things with Conrad. And then uh, we have Stan the Weed Man. He's going to call in. Um, later on at around 10, 10.05, he'll be on right after the break. And so we, we do have a few things lined up. It is getting into, like, the days are getting quite a bit longer, Terry. We're getting sort of, I think it says 10 minutes a day more, I, I think is what is adding, is what I heard the other day. I think it's five or 10 minutes a day. Yeah, um, it's getting more noticeable for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely changing the 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 feel of uh, the season, actually. So yeah, and you'll and you'll notice it like when you start to do your seeds, things like that. Yeah, um, you'll definitely. Now we're getting into the time where getting close to the mid February. This is when you want to get everything lined up, and uh, and start especially your, some things that take a little longer, like petunias, snapdragons some of the peppers, some of the really hard coated seeds you'll see, they take a little bit longer. And if you want to grow any perennials, um, now is the, now is the time to, to get that going. And I, I, I do like the recycle thing. And I, I seen us flipping through a social media site or whatever. And someone put up, they, they buy a lot of those roasted chickens. So you end up with that little glass dome, if, if unless you're getting them at Costco or whatever. But a lot of the places like Co-op and stuff, they still have the little plastic dome. Um, those make great little seed trays. Get the little plastic yeah. cover yeah, or sure your strawberry um, little clam trays, you know, fill those up with soil. Get your seed in the soil. You have a little built-in greenhouse, a little lid that you can prop up. So kind of inexpensive, save a little bit of money there and... And uh, the strawberry ones are actually kind of a good size, too, so you don't overseed. Sometimes I find if you do the full big flat tray, I do like the little ones with the little six plugs in them or or something like that, six or eight plugs in each little section. So I, I find it helps you not to overseed. If, you, right. if yeah. you have the big flat tray, you tend just to keep putting that whole pack of seeds going out, right? So Yeah, and um, – and- and when all those little seeds sprout and you've nurtured them on and all of a sudden you have, you know, 36 pepper plants yeah, and your friends aren't interested, then <laughs> yeah. you, you feel bad if you don't use them all. So yeah. Oh no. Then way. you're trying to plant them or do whatever, or, <laughs> or you grow way too many tomatoes like I did last year. So <laughs> I, I can fit one more in that box and then you just, yeah. by July, you just look at it. Where's the it's a, one? <laughs> it's a jungle. They all, yeah. 
yeah, just all mixed in together. Um, yeah, so you just so those are kind of nice, and like I said, and and it's a good way to recycle. And but it's interesting. I was watching the news this morning, and they're talking about the weather, and and I like on global they kind of mentioned La Nina, and we're sort of in that La Nina year. They're not just blaming everything because even in 1916 it was plus 19 today so it was warm way back yeah. when that's, so that's just that yeah yeah no yeah no it is it's kind of and that's what i like on there on global they always put the sort of what the record temperature was and there seemed to be a trend like sort of in that the 15 1915 16 there's quite a few then you go to the 30s and it'd be interesting to look at that a bit more too and sort of trace um how how the cycle keeps going up and down and and but there was also a cold one that said minus 38 or something with the record cold which is cold in february like that's uh that's getting cold but but one of my worst ones was april the 21st we brought a big load of spruce trees in and they came in from our bc nursery and uh and it went down to minus 21 and then the needles within two days just all fell off because they froze solid on the tree and they were full of water and I didn't expect it at the end of April to get like no. minus 20. So yeah. Anyways, it's like they said, just wait 10 minutes and the weather will change in Calgary. It goes up in Calgary. Down, so. Well, absolutely. Yeah. No. Anyways, if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open 403-974-8255. And we're going to talk with Conrad, the landscape guru right after the break. And we'll be right back, right here on Let's Talk Gardening. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And part of the green it up guy is uh, we have Conrad with us. Good morning, Conrad. Hey, Merle. How's it going? Doing good. So you getting your brain into landscape mode now after after the winter? Is it getting all creative on us or what? Well, I'm, I'm trying to. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> getting a little getting a little itchy up in the office, so I'm ready to to get going and uh, get things going. Yeah, it's been a little bit nice. Weather's warming up. I know you're. I see you leaving three or four times a day now. Typically heading out to do consults and meeting with clients and things like that. So. Yeah, people are uh, starting to think about it. It's always uh, that way when the weather gets a little bit nicer. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I, I've been seeing some of your designs and stuff that you've been um, creating, looking good. So, like, when you first meet with a client, Conrad, I, I guess sort of, I guess, what, what are the things that always come up? Probably like maintenance or cost or? Um. So, I mean, the first kind of initial contact is to kind of get an idea of what uh, the client is looking for um, in their yard. Because, I mean, not everybody wants, you know, xeriscaping or yeah. you know, English garden or whatever they're wanting. Um, so it's really just to get an idea of what they're looking for, kind of budgetary, um, how much they're willing to spend. Um, you know, maybe it, like a budget isn't really a big deal. If you have $2,000 or $200,000, um, I can do anything for that, but uh, just kind of but it is idea. important to know. Yeah, because and it's always an uncomfortable conversation. Like money's always because um, people are sometimes afraid to tell you, "Hey, I got the mother load. I want to spend a hundred grand or fifty grand." You think you're going to spend every cent of it? 
but you, you do need to know a, a, a boundaries because I've been in the instance where I was designing something for somebody and in their head, I think they thought it was 50, but in their, in their wants, it was that like 200 grand. So oh, when it was no. on a, so by the time we got through it, oh, yeah, I want this bigger, make that bigger. And, and then they got mad at us after, but it was, it's, it's, it's a hard, it's being comfortable with the uncomfortable questions at first. Uh, so you could do your job properly, I think is important. No, hundred percent. And that gives me a guideline of how much I can and can't put into, into a design. Cause I have a pretty good idea of like a rough of how much things cost. Um, yeah. So it's just to kind of give me an idea of uh, what what we can and can't put into a design. Because if you're thinking ten thousand dollars and my design is you know forty thousand dollars, we're obviously not going to be on uh, on the same plane of thought. So no, absolutely. And and you want to and we and that's the nice thing. I know how I've done things. I see how you're doing things. We do. It has to be their design. Like we we we're, what we're doing is implementing their thoughts and making it all work. Because you just don't want it to be, well, this is a spruce it up design. This this has to be Bob's or Joe's or Mary's or whoever, like whoever you're working with, you got to put their ideas onto into their backyard for them. So, yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, so when you get into that, so people go, okay, you got your budget set up, and I want some hardscaping. So, what are, what are some of the trends you're seeing right now? Um, well, I would say almost like if I'm going to say like four consults in a day, I would say three of them are at least saying the word low maintenance. <laughs> so a lot of people are looking for yards that they can kind of set it and forget it in a sense. Um, yeah. Now, that's not 100% necessarily possible. Yeah, there's always going to be some kind of maintenance. So I always tell people it's low maintenance, not no maintenance. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the, the first real important part with that. But, yeah, people are looking for things that they don't have to be out there, you know, like basically having a full-time job gardening, um, but they can still enjoy their yard in, in a way that um, doesn't really involve a ton of work. Yeah, no, there's lots of different perennials or shrubs, but if you want to get as you get more into the – if someone wants to boot chart gardens where they want to be out there working and – and being with it, you'll, you you get a whole nother group of flowers and different plants that, that include a bunch of deadheading or different things that you'd bring into to their design. But um, also getting getting the good soil, irrigation, lighting, like all those things go with it as well. Yeah, no, we, we do a little bit of everything. So we can do decking, fencing, lighting, irrigation, artificial turf, uh, softscaping, hardscaping, you name it, we can, we can pretty much build it for you, so. Nice. Well, that's awesome. Hey, Terry, I know you and uh, Conrad work together on some of the plants. When you when when Conrad needs certain things, he he's he's going and going to Terry and saying, "Hey, Terry, <laughs> I, I need uh, I need all these uh, all these plants. What do you got for me?" Yeah, so, I need fifteen or twenty of these and fifteen or twenty of that and. And he yeah, does it no, on we... Thursday, and then it's empty for the weekend for you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, no, Connor and I uh, have uh, ongoing chats throughout the whole summer, so uh, I've kind of got to know his sort of go-to plants uh, in his, but he always throws a few ringers in there for me and uh, keep, keeps it exciting. <laughs> no, and, and because it is different, right? And and we are getting fortunate in Calgary where we're seeing 
a, a big variety of different plants coming into our landscapes that are actually hardy they will survive and they're fairly low maintenance like the hydrangeas are, are a great plant and there's so many varieties that uh, you can use in different areas in your garden yeah absolutely uh hydrangeas are hugely popular with uh with gardeners so we've yeah. we've tried to bring in everything that we can that we know to be reliably hardy in calgary and you've got tons of choices like dozens uh if you come and see our hydrangeas usually kind of starting midsummer yeah. we'll have uh more selection than you can uh, how are you finding you them in your designs conrad yeah i mean there's there's a ton of selection i mean I, I obviously have a list of plants that i really like to use because i kind of focus more on like the drought tolerant stuff yeah. um mainly because that's the lowest maintenance plant that you can get is a drought tolerant plant um but yeah the selection has been especially last season i found the selection was uh was excellent for for what i needed and if i wanted to put like kind of a specialty plant into a yard then then it was definitely available awesome and all right well i'm just going to put you guys on hold <laughs> we just got to take a quick break for the news and we'll get back and then we'll head into a little deeper delves of the landscaping world um with conrad and uh, we got terry from the tree lot as well you're listening to let's talk gardening on qr calgary Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, put it up. We got you covered, and I just realized I already did that, so I'll get there. We go. I did it twice already. So <laughs> sorry about that, Renee. Anyways, I do have the guys that back me up as well. We have Terry Kemper from that perennial and tree lot, and then we have Conrad from our landscape design department and we're heading into your busy time conrad it's 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 your time to shine you get you're getting going it's but a lot of people don't realize how much work you put into it before you get going like like you starting in january february march and really you don't start till mid-april typically correct yeah, it, it's really going to depend on the weather. But yeah, I would say a pretty safe bet is that we start kind of doing the construction in April. Um, but the amount of planning that goes into even a small job is uh, pretty astronomical. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that. So, <laughs> How many times would you meet with a client typically before um, you would put shovels in the ground? Um, at least twice, I would say is usually the minimum. So obviously we have our initial consultation that we're kind of going over the, the basics, like what they're looking for, budget, yeah. um, that kind of stuff. Um, and then I go back and I design everything. Um, if it's in winter, we a hundred percent go back at least one more time in the spring, just to make sure that everything is making sense. Um, obviously the snow kind of hides things sometimes, yeah. um, that maybe you wouldn't have seen on your initial consultation. Um, so we're at least seeing them on the initial, we're kind of seeing them in the spring, or um, we're seeing them before the job starts. We want to make sure that the uh, the client knows what we're doing before we start putting anything in the ground or digging any dirt or putting anything on the ground um, so that we can make sure that they know the process. Yeah, and then de definitely numerous contacts between the after you site visit and then presenting designs and, and, and going back yeah. and forth a bit. 
the kind of process is obviously it's at the first consultation and then I go back and I design and then I'll send you an estimate and, and kind of a plan. Um, if you have any changes, I'm absolutely open to changes. Um, it, it's their yard. I want to make sure that they're happy with the product that they're going to receive. Um, and then if they're happy, they put the deposit in, they get all that stuff going. Um, if they have any questions in between the deposit and, and start, um, we can answer any of those. Um, and then we meet on site, we get it done, and then we meet them at the end and make sure that they're happy with the finished product as well. Yeah, doing a walkthrough and thing. And there, and there is changes when you go through uh, through a garden, like when you're doing a landscape, because where you th- maybe on paper everyone thought it was going one way, and then you you lay it out and okay, this isn't quite right. So and you do change work orders, but a lot of that is this communication as well, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, communication is the the number one key to a successful job. Absolutely. So when you're when you're going through this, like I know drought tolerant, we talked about. I know at Spruce it up. We've been doing that for a number of years, like with bark mulch and and drip irrigations and things like that. What about artificial turf? Are you getting a lot of people asking about that? Um, this year especially, I've been I've been getting a lot of interest in the artificial turf. It's kind of started to pick up steam um, because it doesn't just look like a like a putting green now, right? You can actually get turf that looks like real grass <laughs> yeah um, and they're, they're even doing like funky little things like they're kind of making like a prairie blend where they'll kind of put in a few little brown blades and try and make it look like it's a little bit drier and stuff which is kind of funny um yeah. but they're, they're really trying to make like a, a better product that isn't just like it doesn't look that, like a plastic carpet in your yeah yard, that eyesore like lime green kind of stuff so <laughs> yeah so what about cost like when you get into that compared to real turf, like, cause I know that's sometimes a, a eye opener. Yeah. So what I always tell people with artificial turf is obviously the first thing I tell them is that it, it is an expensive product. Um, and then I give them the reasons why it's expensive. Um, essentially what you're doing with artificial turf is you're, you're basically making a patio with like a grass texture instead of say a paver or concrete. Yeah. Um, so you have to have the base, the base is everything for it. Um, very labor intensive. Um, but as far as like cost, it, it's about 10 times the price of say like a sod and loam, like a traditional sod and loam. Yeah. So if you're, if you're going to spend $2,000 on a area of sod or, and you're, you'll probably spend 20 grand, but then that you have to weigh out the mowing, the maintenance and all that. And, and the lifespan of, of that turf, right? So yeah, so the turf brand that we use, I believe, has like a twenty-year warranty on it. They are very confident in their product. Um, and then, yeah, the maintenance too on it is, is extremely low. So for people looking for low maintenance yards where they they don't have to mow, if you're like me and that's your least favorite chore, um, that's probably the way to go for you. So yeah, see, and I I love mowing. Like, I don't want to mow eight acres, but I I like. <laughs> I like a little mowing. I, I do, I do. Like when you finish mowing, you stop, you look back, you sort of. That looks good. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could definitely do without it. <laughs> yeah. See, see, you're not helping my green it up fertilizer. I tell you. <laughs> but uh, that's the, that's the nice thing with the. And I do agree. Some of it, and I, I remember seeing it in Vegas, like about eight or nine years ago and it just looked awful and but they've upgraded like the new turf that you see and i know the 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 guys that we work our install team they also do um golf greens chipping greens things like that so we've done that in some landscapes as well 
So it also you can add some activities into your backyard um, when you when you're incorporating the artificial turf, which is kind of cool. But, hello. Oh yeah, no, you absolutely can. Um, turf is also really good for say like kids' play areas are a really awesome way to use it. Um, I've had a couple people that put like those big playground structures on it. It's really yeah. good for that, and then it doesn't damage. Uh, any grass or, or anything like that and it just always looks good um safe for for pets too you can get the pet pellets to go in there so it doesn't smell stinky when they go and do their business on it um there's there's lots of really good uses for it so i i like what you said about the kids area because that gets forgotten a ton because you, you'll do a landscape and then they'll throw the play set or the trampoline down and then you see where they trim the grass and they've chewed up the side of their $5,000 playset, um, weed whipping up against the thing, or you see all the, or it ends up being a mud pit, right? Because the kids are just in there. So using the natural turf or the artificial turf in areas like that is definitely a big, uh, be big benefit as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about creating outdoor spaces? I know that's been like outdoor kitchens is that still taking hold or is that kind of hit and miss I would, it's definitely still prevalent in landscaping i wouldn't say it's quite like the focus i think that was a really big focus during covid and now people are really trying to reconnect with nature and kind of create spaces that continue to flow from their house into nature um yeah. so there's definitely people that are putting like a bar a designated barbecue area or I get asked about those pizza ovens quite a, quite a bit or um, like fire pit seating. Um, things like that are really starting to become more prevalent. Um, I know we've done quite a few of those really big kitchens. Like, for example, we did that that house out in uh, Pump, Pump Ridge there, and he, yeah. uh, he had a full kitchenette, full sink, dishwasher. He had the whole works. Um, fire table, that was, whole... Yeah, that was really popular a couple of years ago. Um, we're not quite going as big as that now. Um, mainly, I think, for budgetary reasons. Um, but we're still doing the patios with, say, like a designated barbecue island or um, like a patio space where you can put like a really nice fire pit or gas tables. Those are another really popular thing going on right now. Yeah, I like the gas tables. Um, they just they create a great conversation area where you can sit, communicate, hang out with your friends, family. And it's it's nice to have that spot. Like sometimes the outdoor fireplaces they create a smaller spot. They're good for accent, but the table I find is quite a bit more usable in a in a landscape. Because um, I have a, I had a fireplace in one of my backyards, and I find you can only have like four or five people sit in front of it. You're kind of all facing the wall, kind of thing. Like it's kind of it, it's nicer for more of accent, but to get the heat off because our nights cool off, and those are things that that happen here in Calgary as well. Yeah, and, and another big thing is creating rooms, right? But people people say that, but they're not 100% sure what it is, right? So it, it's creating designated spaces for certain things um, while still making it feel like it's one uniform yard, right? Okay. So so let's maybe like, touch on that right after this. I gotta take a quick break, Conrad, and then we'll, we'll talk about creating different rooms out in your garden and uh, I'm struggling with that a bit in my yard right now, so we'll touch on that as well. When we get back, uh, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary.
Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Conrad from our landscape team. And also we have Terry Kemper from the Garden Center and the Tree Lot and Perennial Division. So we're talking about creating rooms. And, and like when you when you say that, Conrad, um, what do you what do you kind of mean in like uh, living room, kitchen, or 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 more flower areas, or or sort of what are you thinking? It's uh, it can be really anything, right? So, like the best way to describe it is that it's modular. Um, okay. so it's really just creating designated spaces that have a designated purpose. Um, say like a fire pit or a garden space or a, a kitchen seating area or whatever it is. Um, but yep. then trying to make those rooms feel like it's like an extension of your home and that it's all flowing together. That that's essentially what creating rooms means. Yeah, it, and it's nice when you don't, like, I know the open concept was big in housing, but in, in the garden, it is nice when you can divide it up a bit, like with either a privacy screen or a, a hedge or just a couple trees and just create a little bit of a different feel in in a different area. Well, that's exactly it. There's one I'm working on right now that's kind of trying to do that in, in a way. Um, working on it out in Okotoks um, and the, the couple that I'm talking to wanted a, a designated separation so that they still get the privacy from their neighbors but they can still see the whole yard so it still feels like it's connected um, so a really good way to deal with that is you have those hideaway privacy screens Yeah. Um, and they're really nice because they have visibility from anywhere from you know 90% to like 5% is what they say um, yeah. and they have different patterns it really depends on that so you can still see into the yard um, and it still feels like you're connected, but it does feel like you're in a separate area in a sense. Yeah, I like those, especially like in a lot of the newer homes on the on their decks, where you can put it in between, where you replace part of the railing with uh, those privacy screens. It it it's, just gives you that little bit of your own space feel. Not that you'd want to block out or build a wall around your house, but it is nice to have a bit of privacy here and there and uh, block out certain portions where. Um, you, you you happen to walk out and and uh, and you want a little bit of privacy and not always chat with the neighbor or whatever, right? Yeah, and I mean that's a big thing too, right? Is everybody wants their privacy from their neighbors? It's not it's not necessarily like you want to see you know Jim out in his yard in his speedo every day, but you know you want to kind of you kind of want to have your own thing, or maybe you have an, a hot tub and you don't want Jim seeing you in your speedo every day. So yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling. No. <laughs> well, my my neighbors ran a petition. I'm not allowed to wear mine no more. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> back to the back to the big the board shorts. So for me. So. <laughs> um, and then I'm just sort of, and, and also, what about food? Are, are people growing in in their landscapes, Conrad? Or what are you finding? It is definitely becoming a bigger. Um, kind of uh design style now is like those food gardens or or food forests in a sense um as we all know i mean the grocery store is getting a little crazy on produce and stuff um yeah. so people are trying to find savings where they can and i mean it is a little bit more maintenance than say a no or low maintenance landscape um but it is really worth it in the end um and a lot yeah. of people are starting to kind of move towards that so no and I, i've been thinking lots more about it this um, since my son Derek, he was talking about um, the taste test they did up at Olds College, like just compared to organic to to, to the non-organic, and and he's not a veggie guy, but 
he goes, holy cow, what a difference. So it, it is it is interesting. And when you when you are growing your own food, you realize that some of this stuff actually does have taste and not just texture. So anyways. Yeah, and it, 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 it can it, be it, as simple as like container gardening. Like you don't have to make your whole yard like, you know, berries and vegetables and fruit trees or something because um, that can cause a lot of mess. But it can be as simple as just a few containers that you maybe say grow some tomatoes and peppers in or something. Yeah, but if someone does want to do that, say, hey, I want to grow a, a whole, you you can design that for them and make it all work. And that's sort of why I think it's always important to get a plan because um, there's nothing worse than going in. And we've redone lots of gardens too where they, they did it two or three years ago and then they it just doesn't work and we have to go in and rip it out and kind of redo it. So it, it's important to get a plan together. Oh, 100%. Because that saves you money. You spend a little bit up front, but just knowing, having all the right measurements for quoting, doing everything, you, you just you know where you're going to start, and which is, I, I find the most important part of it. Yeah, and something I always tell people too that's really important is even if you're not going to implement the plan right away or implement it all in one kind of go, maybe you're doing it over three seasons. Right, like I have one family that we're doing. We did their pathways. We're doing their backyard this year, and then we're doing their front yard next year. Right, like it doesn't have to yep. be done right away. But then you have the peace of mind that you know what's happening. You know what you can budget for. You know kind of what's happening in, in your own home. Um, and, and it is kind of fun seeing it come together in that way too. Sometimes. <laughs> no, absolutely. And then if you need conduit, if you know you're going to be adding irrigation and lighting the next year, putting conduit underneath your sidewalks or whatever, just to make sure that you you, you know what the next plan is, so you're, you're putting the infrastructure in place for the next phase. 100%. Awesome. Alright, well thanks Conrad. i got to take another break here, but thanks for taking some time on your Sunday, enlightening uh, us with some landscaping and if you need to get in touch with Conrad, you can do it on our website or at the store, we have a questionnaire. You can get a hold of them, and uh, and start the design process to get in, in into our landscape department queue. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. Thanks, Conrad. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to you soon. Rest of your day. You too. Take care. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. Um, lots of good stuff happening in the in the landscape department, Terry. And yeah, uh, for sure. And every day you feel it um, coming on. The days, like I said, are getting a little bit longer and uh, a little bit warmer, which is uh, the feels excitement good. is building. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, and we uh, we received our second container of pottery from Vietnam and this is the decorative one lots of funky colors and different textures and shapes so looking forward to uh starting to get those opened up and uh and start unpacking that stuff and uh it should be should be interesting to see what's uh what's in those pallets there so <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, that, it's that's a, always fun to see uh, every year when those start uh, being unpacked. The, like you say, the new shapes, new sizes, and uh, see it all—all uh, all the pottery freshened up—and yeah, it looks good. And we, what we did get is uh, 
<clears throat> we got a whole, I got a container of larger pots for indoor plants, all with saucers, because we get asked about that lots. So I got matching saucers for every pot that came in on that one container. So um, we're going to sell a uh, saucer with every pot with those ones. So <clears throat> that's always been a challenge trying to get matching um, saucers. So anyways, looking forward to to seeing all those uh, get put out and unpacked. And right now we're just going to go to the phone line. I believe we have Blaine or Lane. I think it was Blaine. Good morning. Blaine? Hello. Hey, Blaine. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Doing good. How can we help you? Well, uh, I've got a question about uh, raspberries. We have a very sunny spot in our garden and we grow. It's, it's a large plot of raspberries. And the problem is they're the kind of raspberries that we harvest at the end of the year. Like this year we were pulling them out in, we were harvesting in October. And a lot of years you get a freeze before October and you don't get any raspberries. So we were wondering, is there a different kind of raspberry that blooms earlier? What kind we would, because I would replace, we love the bees and we love the raspberries, but I mean, trying to wait, hoping for an <coughs> October harvest is a little risky. Yeah, no, no, there definitely is. Hey, Terry, most, a lot of the varieties we have, which ones would you recommend? Probably the most popular uh, that we get at the garden center is uh, Boyne. Boyne seems to produce uh, a really good crop in Calgary. So it's probably one that I would maybe start to introduce uh, into your patch. How would you spell that? That's uh, B-O-Y-N-E. Okay. Yeah, Boyne is a really good one for Calgary. Yeah, because when you said October, most of them, like I... August, July, August is typically when you'll see a lot of the the bountiful crops of the of the raspberries coming here in Alberta in Calgary area. Yeah, yeah. Well, these ones we have grow right from the ground every year. The old canes don't don't do anything, and so you know you have to wait for eight feet of growth before you get a raspberry. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I would definitely look at switching those out. And uh, get some of the those boins or some of the varieties that we carry, and uh, you'll be enjoying raspberries in the in the summer instead of maybe you can make you're waiting from the freeze you're making that raspberry sweet wine right waiting from to get yeah. like the grapes <laughs> <laughs> the ice wine yeah okay so boin I appreciate that thank you very much all right take care thanks Blaine okay bye 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 and and that's it that is a big thing Terry Wake when you're picking varieties. And and I know sometimes I hack on the box stores and plants and stuff, but that's unfortunately their buyers in Vancouver. And I know my wife worked at at one of the box stores in the garden center. She was the manager of one of the garden centers and um, way back when. And it it was always frustrating for her because they, they the the buyer would be sending stuff from Vancouver or wherever a zone four or five or six, and then just plugging them in all the way across the prairies as well and you'll see gala apples and peaches and and different things in some of those stores and and when you're trying to grow them here they just they won't do they don't do well so it, it's it is getting the right varieties here um for us yeah absolutely we uh we and we we try really hard to make sure whatever we're bringing in um is uh, zone hardy uh, Obviously, we'll bring in the odd plant that is maybe a challenge, yeah. but that we've got the right plants going out the door that people are going to 
put into their yards and they're going to thrive and have success with because that's that's what absolutely. we want absolutely all right we got to take a quick break for the news when we get back i think we're going to have stan the weed man with terry and i and they're they're going to chat on some weeds and different things uh in a good way all right you're listening to let's talk gardening on qr calgary Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I am here with Terry Kemper. And we do have a special guest all the way from Lethbridge, Alberta. We have Stan the Weed Man. Good morning, Stan. Hey, I'm here. Hi, Merle and Terry. Hey, good morning. Uh, you don't mind if I gave you a little, a little uh, stage name already? You know, brought you into the limelight with a, with a, with a Stan the Weed Man? <laughs> Whoa. How about garden man? No, weed man's good. That's good. For now, from this statement, hey. I, I understand you're a horticulturist, so I, I I understand. But weed man, you know, and and it's not the guy down at the at the head shop. You're, oh. not, you're not selling. You're not you selling bongs. And a neighbor <laughs> of mine grew some plants because I I share a garden with him. Yeah. And he stands up to it, like this. He showed me some pictures of a few years ago. Yeah. And he looked like he was, you know, standing in a Christmas tree lot. Those oh, yeah, plants no, the, are beautiful. Absolutely. And that's a way better way to, if you can get them growing outside because they, they do, they're very fragrant. Let's just put it that way. If, you ha, if you're trying to grow them in the house. Oh, um, okay. I follow you. Yeah. They're very, very pungent. They, and you'll definitely know you're growing them if, uh, if you're growing them in the house. I know I've had some people try to, and, and that's why it never really took off. Um, like a lot of us thought it was going to. Okay. Um, the the home growing of cannabis. It, it it's just it's a lot harder to do than what uh, we first thought. So, anyways, but you 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 really got you piqued our interest last Sunday, Stan, and right. uh, you were chatting about dandelions and perslin perslin and and different weeds. So you and Terry chatted, and uh, so Terry maybe. I'll let you lead this way, um, lead the conversation, and uh, I know you and Stan had a good chat the other day, and uh, maybe let, let us know on what, what you guys were were talking about. Yeah, we sure did. So, uh, like you say, he did really pique our interest there last week, and uh, kind of wanted to expand on our, our our chat there. We talked about four different uh, weeds that are in Stan's yard that he uh, eats on a regular basis, and just wanted to go sort of sort of that next layer and some questioning. So. Um, Good morning, Stan. Hey, you know what? I should tell you guys. Hey, Terry. It was nice talking to you the other day. Yeah, you know it was what? great. If you saw a picture of me, you'd swear I'm, I'm a goat. I got a white beard, <laughs> kind of scraggly, <laughs> and I'm in the garden there just munching away. Dealing over. Well, you know, and sometimes we take on our life personality, right? You sort of take <laughs> on what you are. And, hey, that's, uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, you're you're transforming into a goat. So that's how evolution works, right? If that's what you're what you're doing. But also like you're and Terry, like you're I mean, sorry, Stan, you're a horticulturist. So you, you come by this from hard work and, and studying and, and not just out there nibbling on weeds, correct? We we have to correct something. Um yes, I'm an amateur horticulturist. Okay. Okay. But I spend a lot of time with it. I have a lot of friends. Someday when I talk to you, I'll tell you the different kind of other things I try growing. I've been involved with a few farmers, and I got into some organic stuff in the last while. I visited a lot of places, how people do stuff, and it really, really interests me. I got a passion about half a dozen things. 
actually it, it kind of wears me out and it you know it's uh it's i get i get off in all directions but anyway we're going to try to focus here yeah, we're going to focus on on these. Uh, you guys have chatted about a few different weeds that you, you that you have in your yard that you enjoy. So Terry, I'll let you take this away. Yeah. So so what we know as weeds right now, um, you know, doing a little bit of research on this um, with the whole foraging movement, and a lot of people are referring to these as um, wild edibles or wild greens. And I, I guess I'm kind of interested in how you cultivate these in your garden. Uh, do you have one patch that you just let you know go, and you have these four different varieties of uh, wild edibles in there, or do you have? I know you have several gardens too that you manage. So, do yeah. you have some some that are in one yard and some that are in another yard, or how do you how do you manage that? Well, you, you know who does a lot of planting? I think birds do. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> sure do. And they even you know anyway. That's another story. But. I, I let things uh, mature a bit, and so, uh, you know, seeds get scattered. And also, nature well, has, nature abhors a vacuum, so it'll try to put plants in, you know, disturbed soil or, or bare soil, which is good. Yeah. And so that happens. And I slowly got into this, oh, for a number of reasons. You know what I want to start with first? There's a weed that everybody hates, and I just thought of it, like just an hour before that. It's chickweed. Like okay, yeah, I have trouble with it. It mostly grows in shady areas, but it's a superb thing to eat. I remember years ago <clears throat> going to Calgary with friends. I have to take a drink of water here because I'm not used to talking very much. Hang on. He's got to wash that. Anyway, <laughs> there was a place called Devonian Gardens. Yeah. Yep. In, in that area, this is going back 25, 30 years ago. <clears throat> there was a place that. They used to import chickweed from California and put it into sandwiches. And I thought, you know, this is growing all over the place. And it's supposed to be super high in vitamin C. You know, that's sort of what happened is these weeds I'm eating, I I realized they have special nutrient attributes that, uh, you know, like we seek, we look for. And so, okay, I just wanted to mention chickweed, like rather than just you know, rip it out and and throw it away. Harvest some of it. It tends to stay clean. Uh, it ha- it gets dew on it in like in the mornings, and it sort of washes itself. But you could put it into salads or something. You don't eat an awful lot of it, but a few pinches, and it even tastes good. You know, just raw straight out of the garden. So anyway, I'm going to check that one off my list here. The next yeah, no, thing. That... Yeah, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, the next thing Terry and I talked about is dandelions. Like, that's the most obvious weed there is. Yeah. And I have a few plants growing that are a few years old, and the leaves are almost gigantic. They're like plumes. And the the way I harvest them, like, I'll, I'll just eat them when I'm outside. You pull out a root, not a root, a leaf, and it, it just pops. And then you have to carefully... You know, like strip the sides off, and the stem is the bitter part, and it's the hard part. But when you take the stuff off the stem, and they wash so good too, like you can use them in all kinds of salads. I've never really tried cooking them, but I, I swear I could put in a third of amount of uh, dandelion, you know, side leaves in, into a salad. You know, whatever, whatever else that that you add to the salad. Okay. Yeah, and throw some dressing on that, and it kind of mixes all in together. Oh, and exactly. Uh, you know what? Use... I, 
<laughs> I, I lived in Calgary for a few years. I went to SAIT. This is like another 30 years ago. And um, I hung around the Northwest area there. And then when I'd go up to Calgary, I'd frequent those. Uh, there was two Italian supermarkets. Maybe this is there. I haven't been there. But just like around 20th Avenue and 4th Street. Yeah, and they're, maybe, they're still there, yeah. Yeah. And, okay. And, and you know... It's so congested there. You have to park like on the side street or on the edge of an alley. I couldn't believe the size of dandelions in that area. It it's, it must be like a, a old Italian village or something. I've never seen such lush dandelion leaves in my life, especially on the north side of a fence. Anyway. It's a good place to go harvest. <laughs> oh, yeah. And <clears throat> I got excited here all of a sudden. But I, I I didn't know that. But Italians, well, Italians love lettuces. I mean, that's greens are their stuff, and dandelions are actually one of their the older Italians. That's one of their favorite uh, greens. One of their go-tos. And the thing about dandelions too is it, two things. One, everybody recognizes dandelion. They know that plant, right? Good point. And uh, with dandelions as well, uh, every part of the plant is edible. Right, you know, from the root to the flower to the leaves. So um, that's not always the case with, with every one of these wild edibles. But with dandelions, I know uh, I've even did a little bit of research since we chatted. Okay. Uh, and I saw how with uh, dandelions, some, there's, um, you can take the root uh, and make a, uh, a caffeine-free uh, coffee with the dandelion roots. So that one's kind of intrigued me. I think I want to try some of that. Here's a bit of a story. I had some friends... Uh, on the other side of the research station, I live in North Lethbridge. On the other side, I had some friends that had a, a market garden, organic market garden. And, you know, because they're organic, they let everything grow. Yeah. They, and I helped them there because they let me, you know, try some different plants there. And I love gardening, so I more or less did it for free. They would harvest their dandelion roots on the edge of the road, you know, run a, like a little plower cultivator and bring them up. And I fixed up a hammer mill for them. And they had a contract with somebody in the state. They would clean off, dry off the dandelion roots in the sun for, you know, like a week or two. Mm-hmm. Then they run them through a, like it was a small feed mill, pulverize them. And they said somebody in the state was buying them for the regenerative uh, power. Because, you know, you cut a dandelion root and you get a whole new dandelion. Yes, yeah. So, you know, that, that's oh, stuck in the line. Yeah. Like, so what are, what are they saying? What are the main benefits from dandelions? I know you can buy them in pill form. You can buy everything. Like, so what, what am I, what am I, I guess, what well, would be what? my benefits of, it's of a, eating it's dandelions? A, it's a milkweed. So that means there's going to be an abundance of calcium, maybe magnesium. And, okay. like, there's some milkweeds that are really, I wouldn't say toxic, but they have, a, like, an alkaloid uh, flavor to them. But mm-hmm. dandelions don't seem to, you know, I'll pull out, like Terry was saying, I'll pull out a, a young dandelion and I'll just put the, the root in my mouth and chew it like a licorice stick or something for a while. And it's I got used to it. You know, us goats, we can eat anything. <laughs> yeah. I, I know, I'm, I'm envisioning myself doing this this summer and I'm just like, okay, I got it. <laughs> you know, uh, I draw the line at tin cans. Yeah, no kidding. All right, hey, I, I'm just going to take a quick break. We'll right. come back and then we'll uh, we'll get back on track and we'll hit some of the some of the other the portulacas and the other ones uh, that we see quite a bit of as well. All right, right. we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to 
Let's talk gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and we are chatting with Stan from Lethbridge. Uh, hey, I'm connected again. Good. Yeah, awesome. And we have Terry Kemper as well. Um, so, so Terry, I'll let you take this away again. We're gonna we're gonna hit on some of the the different weeds that you and Stan were chatting about. Yeah, so uh, in doing some research this week, uh, Stan, it's, it seemed like the the one you touched on last week, uh, the portulaca. Right. That, that one seems to be a real powerhouse of a plant. I find lots of information on, on that one. And oh, uh, I was going to ask you, of the four that, that you grow um, or, or that you are, are uh, munching on, uh, dandelions, the portulaca, the red root pigweed, and lamb's quarters, um, do you have a favorite in that pick? Is is Portulaca one of your favorites? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I wait for it to come up, and then in my neighbor's yard, in my yard, when they're really, really small, like maybe uh, four or five, six leaves, I'll just pull them out with the roots, strip the soil, and pop them in my mouth. And, and, and uh, for me, I developed a taste for them, and they're good. Okay, you know what? I did some research too, Terry, and I looked at Portulaca. You know what? I still use an encyclopedia because you can see pictures in there and just it stays in front of you. <laughs> but anyway, they call it kitchen garden portulaca. I hadn't heard that, but it Did makes you, okay. sense because yeah. there's a flowering type too. That you got beautiful little rose flowers. So yeah, you you're, you're the one it. that is the medicinal more is the purslane. It's the yeah, and, yeah, pers- the, yeah, pers- yeah, right, exactly. That's the other name and, for it. But what it is, what I find is that you'll get that seed once in a while, and I don't know if the flowering one reverts back, but I'll find that wherever I've grown portulaca before, like when we used to grow all around, and typically a lot of times under in the gravel or underneath it, it when it reseeds itself, it seems the purslane comes up. So. You know what? I, I think, I think it reverts back to it. I, you know, I'm not going to debate that one way or the other. But I noticed I gathered seed because it, it grows and it, you know, goes over the sidewalk, and yeah. I let things grow a little bit because almost all my weeds that I, if I don't eat them, I put them in a compost bin. That's a good way to get compost material. You know, yeah. it takes stuff out of the soil and it produces uh, the nutrients and, and minerals, you know, in a usable form for your we're adding to the garden. That's what weeds basically do. They provide the soil with a, a top layer of nutrients, you know, for, from down lower level of the ground, you know, to the surface, because they dive back and they just decompose there, and they feed the bugs and stuff. Hey, here's what's good about portulaca. If you look some stuff about health uh, aids for it, they say it's good for blood disorders. And the oil that it has is an omega-3. You know, I found out something about omega-3 oils. They are like the train system that carries food around our our circulation and blood system. I never knew that. Like because yep. it's like oil is kind of sticky, and the body uses omega-3 oils to to provide food. You know, throughout the body. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Uh, yeah, I, I found that too with the, the portulaca that uh, surprisingly has the highest level of omega-3 fatty acids of any plant. Um, you know, so I thought that was quite a, quite interesting. There's a, a lady in Saskatchewan, this is going back 12, 15 years ago. She was growing portulaca because she found out about this. 
and she was selling it in capsule form, you know, the the, the oil or whatever they squeeze out of it as a, a nutritional supplement. I don't know whatever happened to her idea, but she started this as a growing concern. Anyway, so that's true. Okay, let's go on to another plant here. Which one do you want to tackle? Uh, lamb's quarters. That okay. one seems kind of interesting, too. You know what I'm going to have to do? Like, because we're talking about this, we're in the gardens, we consider recognize our weeds, but I think a lot of people can't you know, distinguish one from another. Here's what I'm going to say about that. The, the, the lamb's quarter belongs to a family of plants that's called, uh, that has goose foot leaves. If you look mm-hmm. at the leaves, they're like a, you know, like webbed, like a goose foot. So anyway, that's how to recognize it. And it's in the quinoa family. I haven't tried this, but a friend of mine did. If you buy quinoa and, and uh, it isn't polished enough so it still can germinate, you'll end up having like a lamb's quarter type plant growing out of it. See, I don't grow my weeds in rows. <laughs> they just come up here and there, and I, I, I weed out the, the weeds in between the rows so I can walk with where my other plants are. The lamb's quarters, though, you do see it everywhere. Like, it's one that pops up. Like, it grows. Like, this is one that you'll see in the garden. Yeah, It's one yeah. of the early ones that pops up pretty much everywhere. Like, it's that... It's that weed. Once you like, when I'm looking at it and the picture, I'm like, okay, I see that all the time. So that's uh, hey, okay, if you cool. guys look up a company called Canada Quinoa, they're somewhere out of between uh, Saskatchewan and Manitoba. I think it was. I'm going to guess here a little, but that's okay. They might be a couple of German brothers. Like they used to travel into Mexico area and stuff like that, and they noticed. Like over there, the people were growing uh, quinoa to harvest as a food, but the same looking plant was growing all over where they were. And so they end up getting seeds, you know, like from, well, what happens with a lot of plants is they're domesticated. You, you get, you harvest and select for bigger seed, you know, and a tastier variety. So they're a huge grower of quinoa in Canada. They even have some copyright patents on it, like the way they do it. And I heard that they were selling it back to Mexico. You know, they just, and they, they contract farmers in, in their area there to grow it for them. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah, very. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that uh, brings up, yeah. I was going to say, that brings up a good point about food foraging that um, while this is kind of a likely new to most people, uh, I think the difference between knowing a plant well and not at all is is time. So taking the time to educate yourself on what these weeds or what these wild edibles look like uh, is a big part of uh, of what we're talking about here. I, so I mentioned to you when I first called that my eyesight improved when I started eating this. Like probably on the biggest scale, I would say, like, you know, like during the summer, 10% of my diet could be just eating uh, lamb's quarter leaves. You know, I just, <laughs> like I said, I'm eating my garden free of weeds. And, and I noticed, this is going back more than a dozen years, I, I didn't read much. But anyway, after a while, I picked up a couple, I picked up a novel and I read through a novel. Now I, I'm reading constantly. My eyes aren't strained. I see everything clearly. And that, that's the connection I made. And if it's true or not, I, I don't know. But and I made that connection. How much would you consume in a day of, of any one of these? 
like, oh, like um, lamb squatter, probably. Oh, now the only trouble is you don't want to eat too many greens because you. Yeah, you got to be careful with that. But I mean, you're yeah. not talking about you know bowls and bowls full of this in a day. Like you're talking maybe just a a cup or two kind of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. In in like in the summer, I probably eat a cup or two of these. But you like I add these things to salads and soups. Like if you add it to a soup, it boils down almost to nothing, because like ninety percent of the stuff in there is just water anyway. Right. So it you know it, but. Okay, now uh, so we can finish from quinoa. Let's go to red root pigweed. Now, you know what? I, I did some looking up too and stuff. There's a bunch of amaranth flowers, and here's what it says: they have crimson, red crimson, densely crowded heads. Are you familiar? I can give you some names. Maybe you guys are aware of them too. <coughs> There's uh, okay, here you got it. Now. Love Lies Bleeding, uh, Prince's Feather, Joseph's Coat, uh, Coxcomb. They're they're beautiful uh, ornamental uh, like bushes. Yeah, they're very beautiful plants. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's in the same family. But I don't know if I would eat them. You know what? Because they're so red, they might have too much iron. Yes. Hey, guys, we're just going to take another quick break for the news, and then we'll come back. We'll finish up on a couple of these. Um, All right. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to uh, Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and I'm here with Stan and Terry. We're chatting the weeds in your garden. What, What can you use them for? Not just digging them out. If you're going to dig them out, you might as well uh, maybe try and eat them. But I yeah. guess we should preface all this really quickly too. Do not eat anything if you don't know exactly what it is. I no, think you're that's right. something. You're right. Hey, I got a question. Because you can get sick. A little bit off topic. Sorry to interrupt. Are you guys at your own residences or are you, yes. you know, just talking through phones? I'm I'm on a computer Okay, um, good. Through a module, yeah. But Terry's yes, Terry's at his own place. So this is yep. like a party line, like an old-fashioned party line. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, we're and, just like the old days. We're getting back to basics here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, no, um, no, that was interesting to me because I I took electronics at state, so you know that technology interests me. Absolutely, no, I. Uh, um, and we won't get off topic, but yeah, yeah, my father-in-law was that he actually put the antenna on top of the Calgary Tower, so he had wow. all this old radio equipment back in the day. It was when I first met my wife. We'd go down into his room, and there would be all these electronic things all over the place. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I know we we chatted a little bit about uh, um making the skin nice and i know we had a couple ladies call in after asking so what was that that we were talking about that makes my skin nice and soft number one is portulaca what it has in is something called hydrolonic acid and um a lot of oils and creams have it the commercials where people are in the evening women in the evening are dabbing on this hydrolonic acid stuff onto their skin it's one of the most um, abundant things in portulaca so if you can work it into your food somehow, the trouble with cooking a lot of these plants is, uh, like, you destroy a, maybe, you know, at least some. But if you can yeah. eat it raw, like put it into a salad, 
you, you know, the, probably the best way to eat portulaca if you eat scrambled eggs. Like when you, you uh, dice some onion into it, dice some yep. portulaca into it, and, um, and put it in your, near the end so you don't give it too much heat, and you eat it that way. Like I can eat a handful of portulaca just, uh, you know, from the garden. It's very clean because uh, whatever covering they have on the, on the tissue of the leaves, like all the dirt and dust falls off. Okay, number two, um, okay. for the skin, oh, here's what I wrote down. You know what, red root pigweed. It's got okay. large, coarse leaves, and you need somebody to identify it for you. It only grows in, like, really, really hot, sunny areas. It's almost uh, resistant to, um, to drought and stuff like that. It, it might be a little bit tough, but it has a waxy feel on the, on the leaf. You can feel it. The leaves are like oh, they're like a regular leaf. There's no special shape to them. They they won't be as big as a hand, like a small kid's hand, maybe you know. Yeah. But you you pinch the leaf between your fingers and you rub it, and you will feel a wax, a thick thick wax on it. But when you eat it, that wax goes into your system, and I think it helps for UV protection. Last year, I hardly got tanned. I was in the sun almost all the time. And it's the most I ever eaten of it, and okay. you know, like raw. <laughs> but I also put it into soups and things like that. And you see this weed quite a bit, but yeah, when you pull it out, like just looking at the pictures. Oh yeah, like I pull root, it out to get rid of the roots. True. <laughs> and the root is just—it's pure red, though, right? Like it's oh. just a really bright red root. Hey, that's a good point. You know what? You know what that red color indicates? The, the red is folic acid. I don't know. You'll notice a lot of plants when they start, they'll have a little red on their roots. Yeah. That's actually folic acid or foliate. I don't know if you know much about it, but it's a necessary thing for um, early growth. I don't yeah. know. They they discovered like years ago that a lot of these kids that were born with uh, spinal bifida, yeah. the the mothers didn't have folic acid in their diets. And, and what it does is help the body to grow uniformly, like a, like mirror image, you know, like a balanced. Yeah. And so that's why plants have it, and it's a stimulant for growth. So the fact that we're eating this red stuff early, it means we're getting folic acid. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, omega-3s, it also reduces inflammation. I just have uh, someone on the text line sent that in. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that so the kind omega of covers it, doesn't it? Yeah, there's all kinds of good things. But and uh, but I think the most important, so what I'm going to commit to doing as well, you guys, because you guys did all this work, um, we'll, we'll put someone together and we'll get a bunch of the pictures together and with a brief description so people will be able to find out what we talked about too. Like So the different color, we'll have a picture of the of the of each of the weeds that we, we've covered here. Right. And uh, and then that way uh, everyone can have a look at those and uh, and do a little bit of research and and maybe use them as well. Is there any other ones that you want to touch on before we finish up here? No, no. Maybe some other time we'll talk about something interesting too. But yeah, right. thank you. I enjoyed this. Thank you for the opportunity. And uh, we look forward to hopefully seeing you one day down at Spruce It Up. Let us know you have our our contact. If you're heading our way, make sure you stop in and say hi to Terry and I, and uh, and we'll definitely have a chat for sure. We'll go pick some weeds down below. Hey, yeah, have lots. a weed party. <laughs> All right, sounds hey, good. Bye -bye. Thanks, Dan. Take Thanks, care. Thanks, Dan. Bye bye.
Yeah, and 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 it's always a it's a subject, and and you do see that person like like and I've traveled, and you'll see it wherever people garden lots. You'll see it always in between cracks in the sidewalks and places like that is typically where you you will see a lot of that growing. Um, so so it is interesting, um, a topic when you when you start talking weeds, and and what you can what you can eat what you can't eat and uh, so yeah anyways it's uh it's pretty cool all right we're gonna take a quick break we get back phone lines are open text line is working again so if you want to send any pictures or give us a shout phone lines are wide open 403-974-8255 you're listening to let's talk gardening on qr calgary Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. We do have a couple callers on the line. We're going to go to Velma. Good morning, Velma. Uh, good morning. This is uh, my first time calling you. I listen to your program every every Sunday morning. Well, thank my, you so much. Uh, my call for you is uh, uh, we have taken down three very large griffin poplars. Uh, by an arborist, and he's taken it down really flush. Not okay. not flush, uh, as as low as he could do it, and yeah. um, and it's uh, it's very very flat. And at this point, I'm concerned that uh, even though those trees were dead, I I was afraid that we could end up getting a lot of shoots in our lawn. Was there any life to the tree before it was taken down, or was it completely? There were just some. There were just some shoots, some some shoots uh, at the base. But these these trees were forty five years old, and the three yeah, you're, main you're trunks going to were get, white. Yeah, you're going to get suckers coming up. If there was some life in it, because all that energy um, is what I'll predict is going to come out of there now. Because um, before it was trying to push up into the big old tree, but now all that old deadwoods, everything's gone. You're gonna have a concentration of what energy was left will be in that stump and the roots. So I would recommend that um, you either grind the stump out, or you can do a stump rot on it, where you drill the holes and you pour in the stump rot um, product and and rot it out from that way. Okay, uh, we were told uh, by the arborist that Epsom salts has been a, a very good product to use. Um, I haven't heard the Epsom salts for killing. I know people use it to help grow their garden. I haven't seen it used on a big old poplar. I, I think you, you could definitely try that, but I I would probably go to something a little bit stronger. Or what do you want to do with the area now that you've taken the tree down? That was my second question to you. I was wondering whether you have any really large, uh, very large pots that would fit the ceramic, uh, the uh, diameter oh, yeah, of yeah, that yeah. stump, where I could, you know, maybe put flowers in or some other ideas. Absolutely, absolutely. We got uh, some of the largest pottery you can find in Calgary. We have a huge selection of pottery. So, and what and... what do uh, uh, are they? Um, Plastic or ceramic? No, they're and... they're a gloss. Yeah, they're gloss pottery, gla glossy pottery, and they're high fired clay. So they're they're fired at a high temperature. So 
uh, only the stuff like typically for the outdoor pottery we only bring stuff in from asia because they've perfected the technique where they've high fired it so it's frost resistant and if you leave it right full of soil and water it right up till freeze up they will crack um so the thing is to empty it out a bit in the fall and that way it has room to to expand and contract but they're frost resistant um and we typically don't recommend using like the mexican pottery or certain things outside because it'll break down a lot quicker like you can get 10 15 20 years out of these um without without any worry at all are they um are they heavy yep so they won't because blow over. We haven't got a back alley. Everything has to come from the uh, from the front yep. of our house. No, and to the we backyard. have a dolly. We do deliver, so we can dolly it in no problem, and uh, we do that all the time. But yeah, they won't blow around, so they are they're a decent weight, um, so they won't blow around. So most of them, two guys can handle no problem, and uh, or if you have them on a dolly of some sort, um, we can get them into most yards without any issue. Okay, we have absolutely no, we've just got a fence between our yard and our back neighbor, and uh, I'm wondering whether there was anything uh, that you could plant in the in the form of a, of, a, of a small tree that would come up and maybe spread out a bit. Hey, Terry, what, do you have any recommend, recommendations for Velma on a smaller tree, like maybe a glad or something like that? Yeah, gladiator crab apple would be a good one, but I'd also look at... Um, the muckle plum is quite a nice small tree as well. Um, what was that called? It's called muckle, M-U-C-K-L-E, M-U-C-K-L, yeah, muckle plum. Uh, puts on a big show in the spring of bright pink flowers, but does not produce any fruit and stays a nice smaller uh, size tree. Would be oh, a good that one. Might be, uh, that might be a nice, a nice thing to put yeah, in. Yeah, it's a nice way. compact tree. It's, a, it's actually a good one. Okay, and you have those, uh, they'll be... Uh, for sale. Where uh, whereabouts are you located? We're right on the south side of Calgary on McLeod Trail and 210 Ave. Um, sort of this way, if you're coming in from Okotoks on McLeod Trail, we're right on the south end on the west side of the of McLeod Trail. Or uh, right across from Legacy or by Chaparral. There's all kinds of the, communities. And uh, what is the street? You said um, McLeod Ave. And... McLeod Trail and 210th Avenue Southwest. Right. South Avenue. Okay, thank you very much. I will. Uh, um, I, I, I must tell you that we took uh, down another. Um, the same. In this one that we took down is a brother to these three, and yeah. uh, and he did cut wedges uh, around it. Okay. And every week, I I would pour this this Epsom salts around. Well, the tree turned snow white. The bay, the the trunk turned. Okay. Uh, Snow White, and we did not get any any awesome. shoots at all. Now, I, that's why I'm, I'm looking for another suggestion in the event that this fails. Yeah, no, I if that is working, I guess maybe this high salt content, um, definitely plants don't like that. Um, typically, okay. when people are dealing with the poplars, they typically don't die right back like that. Um, so typically you're you're having to deal with a when you cut it back you're going to get a heavy heavy push of of growth from the from the roots where they sucker up like crazy. Oh, okay. So so, so right. typically, but yeah, if that uh, if that's working, I've never tried that, but actually I'll look I'll look that up a bit and uh, and uh, see if that is another way of doing it. But typically, 
you want to keep yours as a plant stand for a pot, so that that works out perfect. Yes. Okay. I think that uh, you've given me some real great ideas here, and uh, uh, I thank you for that. And we'll give it a whirl. And I appreciate you calling in. Thanks, Velma. Bye bye. <laughs> thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, we'll get back. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and I'm Merle Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. We're going to go to the phone line. We have Steve. Good morning, Steve. Morning, gentlemen. How you doing today? We're doing great. Doing good. How can we help you? So I have two questions. The first one is for uh, raised gardens. I'm going to build a couple of raised garden beds this year, just put it currently where I have grass. My question is, should I till the grass up first or is it okay to just put cardboard down for some weed control and then put my soil on top of it yeah how deep are you going to do your beds probably 18 to 20 inch yeah uh, you can go right over top just even landscape fabric or cardboard something like that yep just right over top you should be totally fine perfect and i just wondered if you had any thoughts on electrical culture where you use the copper and you make like an antenna wrap it around some bamboo or some what i've seen yeah terry and i have just been talking about that i want to do some research cool. on that um i've been seeing a fair bit of it it, it kind of it makes it makes sense and i know there is an electronic field all around the world like i can when i if the odd time if uh, someone forgets to do a locate i'll get out my little metal stakes and i can I can find stuff underneath, like any of the utilities or water lines, things like that. Sort of like witching for water. So I I understand, but I and I've seen lots of talk about. It, but yeah, it's funny. Terry and I just were texting about it this week. So um, I don't know anything really about it yet, but it's something I want to learn. Okay. Yeah, me too. I think I'm going to do a controlled experiment this year and get basically like two pots and one of them all just do naturally and the other one i'll put a little antenna in and see what happens there Before absolutely I spend a while. no i it, it and you know what i it copper is a very powerful metal so i i yeah. believe that it, it will benefit but like i said i haven't uh, done anything yet hey terry have you in your time do you dig in any deeper no i haven't like like you said we uh, were chatting about it earlier this week but it's definitely something on the list to uh, investigate so keep, so keep listening, and if you find anything, uh, reach out to us at the, at the Garden Centers team. We'll be more than happy to, to, to talk about that kind will. of stuff. What's your second and question? For the ra so, well, that was the second question, but the raised beds was the first one. But for the raised beds, what do you recommend? Because they're just like to, to start off soil-wise, what would you recommend I, I fire in there? I would do a good garden mix. Like we, we have it in bulk, or you can get the big yellow bags. Depends on how much you need and, and what you're doing. Like we have the garden garden mix in, in bulk, so you can get it delivered. Um, yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Start off the good base, and then time. just replenish it with, like, sea soil, things like that. Sure. Okay, folks. Well, you have a great day. I appreciate your time and what you do for us here. All right. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Bye for Bye. now. Bye -bye. Yeah, that's something we got to talk about, uh, Terry. I've seen a fair bit of it more and more, and I know I'm all on the agrolithum, agrolithum, whatever that word is. <laughs> um, 
of once you Google it, it uh, keeps coming up. But I am yeah. seeing more and more of it um, about. But let's go to uh, Mariah. Good morning, Mariah. Good morning. I How can we help you? I'm hoping that you can identify this magical plant that I took photos of. I sent two photos into the text Yeah. Line. Yeah. The weeds. They were, they were being grown. <laughs> yeah, the weed. But the owner of that glamping site just outside of Vernon was waxed prophetic about the values of this plant, herbal, medicinal. And it looks like it's echinacea. It looks like a type of echinacea to me. But Terry, do you see that one? There was a uh, text. No, from... I had uh, trouble signing in earlier and having back on. Okay. Kids. Yeah, to me, it looks like a type of. I'll save the picture and I'll I'll do some research and I'll find out because I know you you've texted a few times, Maria. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll get it. back to you on this one. Oh, thank you so much. I would. I actually tried to bring some back, but you know, a leaf cutting doesn't last in Okanagan heat. It's no. Just dried up. But yeah. He, did say how difficult it would be to buy it. Yeah, no, it it almost looks, it could be fought, like there's a couple, there's there's a silver one and then there's a green one, like there's two kind of mixed in here, but to me it looks like a part of an echinacea, but I will uh, okay. we'll dig in a little bit deeper and uh, hopefully come up with something for you. Okay, thank you. Thank you, take care, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, let's go to Connie. Good morning, Connie. Hello. Hi, Connie. How can we help you? I'm struggling. You're on low power. Um, I just need to know, is it okay to plant pansy seeds at this time? Um, yeah, definitely in the soil inside the house, yes. Um, oh, oh inside the, the house. Yeah, if you if you put them out, they won't do anything for quite a while. Like, they won't germinate um, until, like... Uh, end of April or as soon as they get some warmth and that in it, they won't do anything. So, but yeah, if you want to start them inside, that's one of the annuals that you definitely start earlier. Right. Uh, so if you want to start them and then typically you can put them outside um, mid-April, no problem if they're yeah, already Yeah, yeah, plan to put them outside. Um, do I leave them by a window with, with sun? Yeah, they need good light, a little bit of heat from underneath. Uh, they'll take about a week or so to germinate for the most part. Um, so you'll get them come up, and then it is it is good if you can transplant them once into a, into a different growing pot. Can I not so just start put them, them in, in a big pot that I intend to keep them in? Um, you, you can. Um, it, it is nice sometimes if, if they do get transplanted, they seem to take better because oh, okay. then you put them in a little bit deeper. Otherwise, they tend to get a little bit leggy on you. Okay. Any special uh, soil? Just a good soilless mix. Just a good all-purpose potting soil is perfect. Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, you're very welcome. Yeah. yeah. Now is yeah, the, yeah. definitely Bye. the time to do that. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Um, so Terry, we had a we had a good, interesting show today. We had Conrad. We chatted about some landscaping. And yeah, what's going on there? And we we got a text from Maureen, um, and she's from she was love this love stand the weed man, so. <laughs> 
So we'll, we'll definitely have to make sure we chat with him again and, uh, and, uh, and go from there. But thanks again, Terry. And uh, right. um, we'll commit to that. We'll get some of the information, these weeds with pictures and that up on our website and social media. Um, so people can have a look at that. And uh, we'll be back next week um, with more Let's Talk Gardening right here on QR Calgary. <laughs>